Uproar is a rather entertaining and historically informative new New Zealand movie that's now out in cinemas. Set in Dunedin during the 1981 Springbok tour, it comes with a star-studded cast. There's Julian Denniston, James Rolleston, Minnie Driver, Rhys Darby, and a scene-stealing role from uh, Julian's mum even, Maybelle Denison. But there are big names behind the camera too, and our film critic Simon Morris caught up with the directors Paul Middleditch and Hamish Bennett. Any behaviour that threatens our ideal will not be tolerated. Pramboy, come join us. I'm not really a match, I'm more of a sitter. You can't be like that. Out here is the real world. It's different, so you've got to be different. The New Zealand film Uproar is something of a time machine to the early 1980s. TV shows like The Incredible Hulk, The Royal Wedding of Charles and Diana, The Last Days of Disco, The Theatre Sensation, Foreskin's Lament, and above all, the notorious Springbok rugby tour of 1981, which seemed to split the country in two at the time. The curious thing about Uproar is it's the work of two directors who, to my knowledge, have never worked together before. Veteran Paul Middleditch is Australia's most awarded commercials director, while writer-director Hamish Bennett is probably best known for the recent Bellbird, starring Annie Whittle and the late Marshall Napier. Welcome, both of you. Paul, can I start with you? This started out really as your project, didn't it? Yeah, well, it was interesting because... uh... Many years ago, a dear friend of mine, uh, Mark Turnbull, who was a first assistant director who I worked with in Australia, was also a producer. He said, Paul, I think there's a story that you have about you. He was getting a little bit of an insight into you know, some of the things in my life that had to do with being a misfit, not fitting in, and, and my personality, because we knew each other yeah, very well. And so we started that process of finding a story. And so from my perspective, the story was very much a personal one about my, I suppose, journey at school, what went on um, in a big Catholic high school that was very rugby dominated. And uh, I was, you know, a young, I suppose, uh, on that side, a creative student. I was making, you know, films for the Spot on Film competition and all like that. But I was also ostracised from the world which was about rugby Mm. and what that sort of meant. Uh, What I discovered was I was quite quick, so I could run, but I couldn't see. (laughs) And so I actually got to play rugby because I was very fast. But um, the interesting thing at that time was about going into a different world of acceptance. And so there was a a lot of complex issues about who I was. Uh, Keith Aberdeen, who wrote the first draft of the picture, Mm. and Keith, who has done some amazing New Zealand features such as Utu and and a number of other prominent New Zealand features, uh, got involved. And he was a protester uh, in the 1981 tour. And so we thought what would be a great stage for this to be set in is is that, that period where the country really started to understand its voice. As Sonia Whiteman uh, wrote the screenplay for a number of years, but then when Julian Dennison showed interest to get involved and play the lead character, who at that time was a Pākehā, he was very passionate about wanting to play the lead. We knew then that we needed the right voice, the right writer for Julian, and somebody also who could elevate the script, because suddenly when we had a Māori boy dealing with issues to do with a stance about the tour, a stance about racism, mm-hmm. made it a wonderfully complex but but challenging film. And at that point, we 
was so lucky to have Hamish get involved. I, I, I went to the screening of his beautiful film at uh, the Sydney Film Festival, and I went, wow, this is not only a real individual voice, but a voice that has the tenderness and the insight for somebody like Julian's character. Well, Hamish, I'll bring you into this. Were you initially approached by Paul as a writer or was it always going to be a co-director gig? I mean, I, I was first approached by, uh, yeah, I mean, Emma Slade and, and Sandra Kailahi, who were producers at the time. Um, they came to see me about the potential of, of coming on board as a co-writer and a co-director. Um, for me, initially, I was absolutely interested in and looking at the script and, and taking it into those different territories that I guess it needed to be taken for a um, with a young Māori lead. Mm. But I, I was a little unsure about the co-directing thing. I'd never done it before. Obviously, I'd never met Paul at that time. But I think what happened is the closer I got to the script, the, the more connected I became with those characters in that world, the less I wanted to kind of let go of that and and, and the more I wanted to be involved. It's through to that next stage. So it was after that that my my first crack at that script that I thought, oh yeah, no, co-directing for all the, all the challenges that might be there, I think it's it's well worth it. Yeah. You obviously responded pretty strongly to the script, but you clearly also had to make some changes. One of which was to relocate it to Dunedin. You know, I mean, I I absolutely connected with with elements of that script. I think it's a tricky thing when you get a um, you know, when you're inheriting work which is is already existing. You've got to respect that source material and. But at the same time, feel have the freedom to be able to take it where you feel like it, it needs to go. It didn't take me much to find a strong connection with that character, Josh's character as a misfit. Like I'm a, I'm a school teacher. I've been teaching for over 20 years. So that feeling of identifying with those kids who may not quite find their place, that, that was an easy fit for me. But it was also, essentially, it was, it was a full rewrite. You know, Sonia absolutely had laid a, a lovely foundation for me. I think part of the process of me connecting with that story and and finding tonally where I feel um, I'd like it to be, that was always going to happen through the very fact, I think, of having Julian in that lead role. You know, it was a very rare privilege to be able to write knowing that we had this particular actor playing this lead role. It meant that writing was a bit of a pleasure because Julian's he's not just a uh, comedic actor. He's, he's an incredibly vulnerable, vulnerable actor who can take the story into uh, incredibly emotional, dramatic territory. And yeah, that, that was a very exciting thing for me to be able to kind of get my hands on that, yeah. You nearly sabotage everything. We were protesting. They told you you get expelled from school. I hate did that school. I'm a Māori surrounded by white kids. You don't know what it feels like to not fit in. The setting of Dunedin was in the screenplay before Hamish came on board based on the fact that that my family go back in Dunedin back to 1840. So I've spent a lot of time down there. Oh, wow. But also um, when Keith got on board, his memory also was the fact that Dunedin is kind of untouched, even back when we first started it. And he said, this might be a really great place to place it. You know? Yeah, and I'd just like to add to that too. I think we're very specific in, in, in the way that we tell that story, that, that Josh, he's not just a Māori boy. He's a Māori boy with kaitahu ancestry. Um, mm. And that story is very specific to, to that particular region. Māori have um, obviously suffered the effects of colonisation um, in a very broad sense, but with Anichiwi and Anichapu, there's the specific stories that, that connect to each place. So um, I have uh, Kaitahu ancestry, and um, it was very important to me that I was able to uh, tell that story with honesty and with authenticity. So we had uh, huge collaboration from um, Mana Whenua down there and having their support throughout this from script stage, casting, 
uh, it was incredibly vital for us. I found it interesting, uh, the whole idea of his family. You, we've talked quite a bit about the character of Josh, Julian Dennison's character, but also there's a brother. Tell me a little bit about yep. Jamie. Well, Jamie um, was originally written, he was actually a fisherman, somebody who was sort of slightly estranged from the family, but was also deeply emotionally affected, I suppose, by their father's death. Mm. Uh, that then translated quite beautifully into the idea of Jamie as uh, an ex-rugby player and an excellent rugby player. The family was very much about rugby, very much about that identity, and particularly for Shirley, you know, who was an English woman, um, and her sense of acceptance or not acceptance from that point of view, also feeling a misfit not fitting in within the Māori community or also Peter not being accepted within her community. What I thought Hamish did beautifully was start to wrap that within uh, his own understanding of, of where he came from, his iwi and so on, and particularly the history through the Tui character, being able to express, uh, Maybell was able to express beautifully in the film some really poignant messages about that history in the most eloquent way. I didn't know all that about your people. Darling, they're your people too. You know how to work that thing? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because in a weird sort of way, while there was sort of clashes going on at the school between the rugby people and, if you like, the not-rugby people, there was a quite similar division within the protest movement that was happening down in Dunedin at the time. Tell me a little bit about that, Hamish. What was your experience when you were writing those sorts of scenes, you know, the clashes within the protesters? Yeah, look, look I, mean, I mean, probably from a writing point of view, it's, it's very important to me that you know, we paint characters in shades of grey as opposed to black and white, where there's good guys and bad guys, you know. Mm. You know, certainly in my research of, of that time, within the, the protest movement, there were factions. You know, people had different agendas, and whilst everyone was fighting apartheid, there was that, um, for Māori in particular, that, that idea that, yes, it's all very well to, to protest for the rights of, of Indigenous um, South Africans, but there was possibly that lack of awareness of what was going on for Māori in, in, in our own country. But at the same time, uh, the last thing we wanted to do was let that um, overburden the story or weigh it down. You know, as I said, I like to sit in the world of kind of painting characters in shades of grey, but I think, you know, the darkness and the heaviness always need to, needs to be balanced with the light and the, and the levities. Hmm. But uh, ultimately, it's a story at its heart about a young boy's journey. And so trying to layer those complexities in, but ultimately try and tell our story in a relatively simple way was the aim, I guess. I have to ask how the co-directing thing worked. I mean, Hamish, you said that you'd never actually met Paul until you, you know, started writing with him, but directing is such a power trip in some respects, but in a good way. I mean, in the sense that some somebody's got to have a vision and say, this is what we're going to do, and everyone has to kind of get on that. But when you've got two different people, how did that work? It's absolutely something that comes with challenges. Like you say, um, you know, directing is, is, it feels kind of naturally inclined to be done by yourself. But but ultimately what we both kind of wanted to do is, you know, we both wanted to tell the same story. And whilst we, you know, we go about our work in different ways and, and we're different people, we both had the story at heart. If we kept that in mind, I think that was the thing that was going to see us through. We also realised that when it came to being um, on set, 
that clarity of voice was really important. We didn't want confusion um, uh, amongst our, our crew and our cast. So we, we divvied up our roles um, on set. You know, I, I focused primarily on supporting um, actors and, and the, the performance side of things, while Paul focused on the look and the vision and working alongside Maria Ness, our cinematographer. Performing arts sounds like a secure career move. Madigan says I'm a good actor. Oh, does he? And you are not crap, Josh. Well... Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the interesting thing with that was that performance for me has always been the centre of my work. But knowing that Hamish and I were agreeing on what we wanted, the tone was right. Once we were both happy, there was a real sense of Hamish could see what we were shooting, um, I could see what he was doing. So there was a great sense of once once there was a thumbs up, it was a great thumbs up. We both went, that's what we want. I believe this film has been an amazing learning process to know how to make a film by combining two minds for the same purpose. Mm. And I think this is a better film because of those two minds. So I think, you know, even from our premiere last night, it's wonderful how this translates to everybody in the audience. There's nothing that's not welcoming in the picture from a content point of view but also from an emotional point of view, our emotions were linked. We all have our stories. They're not there to pull us down. They're there to push us forward. One thing that was extraordinary about uh, the film, in a way, was to remind us quite how significant the year 1981 was. One thing I didn't know or forgotten about was that the royal wedding, Prince Charles and Princess Diana, was happening right in the middle of that tour. Yeah, and and I mean... um... Muldoon was uh, over there at the wedding, right when, um, right when some of those uh, really full-on elements of the protests were happening. Yeah, yeah, he said, didn't seem particularly interested in the domestic issues going on. I mean, and I think there's a an understanding that Muldoon allowed the tour to go on purely from a um, a political motivation of, let's say, the rural votes that were associated with that. And there's something interesting about setting this absolute, excuse me, shit fight and then running away. It's quite interesting. Mm. The other thing, of course, was when Foreskin's Lament came out, which was another huge upheaval. It's astonishing because you think of these happening separately. You think of them as being big things that happen in the country, but they were all happening roughly at the same time. Foreskin's Lament being yeah, well, the, the birth, in a way, of New Zealand new theatre in some respects. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was, I thought, felt it was another really lovely layer to that, to that story. I mean, Greg McGee, as, as the writer, had an interesting lead into being a playwright as a, as a junior All Black himself. His struggle, I think, to find his place um, within the rugby fraternity or the rugby world um, when he was, I suppose, cut from a slightly different cloth from what they were used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think telling the story as someone who both loved rugby but was also a misfit there was um, some fairly natural parallels to be drawn between Greg McGee's story, Forskin's Lament story, and and Josh's journey. Like I, I've worked a little bit with Greg, and um, to have his kind of support through all of that was a really lovely thing. I, I felt it was a fairly another lovely way to kind of add a uh, another layer of richness to to the story. Yeah. Yeah, well, Greg was actually there last night at the premiere. It was wonderful. And he came out and he said, the best film ever made about the Springbok tour, but he was also just so loved the picture. Mm. And that was a real honour, you know? 
Paul, I have uh, to ask you, because so many things changed after 1981 and changed by some of the events that happened in 1981, was it difficult to get your cast to get their head around what life was like in New Zealand before all these changes happened? Well, it was interesting because particularly for Julian, it was not a huge leap because Maybell was a protester and active from that point of view. I actually rang her to talk to Julian about another role in the original script. And she was very passionate about the script at that time. She really wanted Julian to be involved. And that was the kind of catalyst that led to Julian wanting to play the lead role. So Julian was very aware of the history of that. And I think what's interesting about this picture is that there's a generation who have grown up remembering it or being in it. There's a generation who remember people talking about it. There's a generation who are now learning it at school. It changed New Zealand forever. One of the reasons to make this film in 2023 is there's still things to talk about, still things to look at. So to answer to your question, yes, I think the actors certainly knew of it and it was easy source for them to be able to draw upon because everybody could give them stories and thoughts about it. I know um, that the film got launched at Toronto and it must have been harder for them to get their head around it because so many of the events that are happening were so crucial to New Zealand but are probably less known outside New Zealand. Once again, though, I think it's whilst it is a very specific story about a very specific time and place in, in um, Aotearoa's history, in, in this particular case, I think there were a number of people who responded to it by drawing parallels to movements that had happened in their own countries um, you know, the Black Lives Matter one has been um, spoken about, you know, Indigenous filmmakers in Toronto spoke about the the connections they found um, with their own stories. So whilst it is specific to our time, I think people can and understand and, and connect to it for a number of, of different reasons. Yeah. Yeah, it was really exciting. I mean, seeing it with big audiences in Toronto, it, it played wonderfully. There was a lot of tears and a lot of laughter. And we wanted to make a film for a big general audience. Um, the same indication here as well. Our distributor, Kismet, has a very big release for this picture here, but a huge release also in Australia. So their belief in the uh, reach for this picture, the universal quality for the picture, but we are, we're thrilled. And also, yeah, critically, the film is doing exactly what we want. It has a big heart, but also it's it has a real personal New Zealand flavour to it, which is exciting. And what happens after this? I mean, do you have another script on the go yet? Hamish first, I guess. Are you working on something new? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, obviously uh, Uproar has taken up a fair degree of our, our time over the last year. But yeah, there, there's two or three different projects that are um, uh, on the go uh, next, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into them. I think it's probably um, the nature of writing and filmmaking. I think it's it's... It's hard to say which one will go first, but um, whichever one it is, I've loved being in the uproar world and and super proud of what we've been, um, what we've done, and 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 at the same time, looking forward to the kind of the next the next challenges ahead. You know, yeah. So yeah, so um, currently we're casting a feature, an American Australian co-production that we're shooting in in Queensland and in Kenya, and that's looking to go first quarter of next year. So that's exciting. 